I, I get fully immersed in this game. It is super fun. I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah. yeah. I'm glad Me you're enjoying too. that. Yeah, I am enjoying it. You know what else I'm enjoying? What's that? Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Pixlet. And happy 100th episode. Can you believe? This episodes. is our 100th episode, not counting bonus episodes. If you count bonus episodes, you're doing it wrong. This is the 100th mainline <laughs> episode. And even if I counted wrong and it's not, it's whatever. That's what we're doing, man. This is the 100th so, episode forever. And that is forever. all that really matters. Uh, no takesies, backsies. No takesies, backsies at all. So, uh, yeah, for our 100th episode, I actually don't have a copy of, physical copy of this book. So, Phil, why don't you show the oh, folks sure. at home what we're yeah. reading? It is, yeah. oh, that's beautiful. It is Resident Evil City of the Dead, the third in the Resident Evil book series written by friend of the pod, S.D. Perry. Friend of the pod, S.D. Perry. Um, oh, yeah. It's, and it's based on Resident Evil 2, which still just goes down to history as one of my favorites of all time. I've been looking forward to this since we started this podcast. <laughs> this particular book has been. Yeah, been, yeah. I was like, all right, well, we're starting with Resident Evil. I'm gonna, I wanna I wanna get to the third one at least. Yeah, you know? damn straight. Uh, I don't know if I had any idea that we were gonna make it to a hundred freaking episodes, but uh that's we crazy. made it. We made it, baby. We did. So and cool. Your copy of the book is weird oh, looking. Yeah. I want to show you guys this. This is this is amazing. Um I was showing Kevin earlier. This is this is the book. It it's you may notice it is like really pristine. Pristine. Like shiny, unbroken. And then you look at and I don't know if the camera's picking up quite the way it should, but that is pure white paper. Um like paperbacks don't usually come in this level of white and certainly not a book yeah. that is as old as this one is. Um, and then yeah. when you look inside, you could see based on kind of the form, this is a bootleg. This is a, <laughs> you check the copyright and everything and it says first edition. This is, this is a bootleg. It is sharp and crisp and clean. And yet I bought it on eBay for $4. That's amazing. Thinking I was just getting another used one. So I I have no idea what the end game is here. The, the font on the on those chapter headings look like the Diablo font. Oh, it totally does. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Yeah, that's Diablo. Totally looks like the that's, Diablo that's, font. That's that's the Diablo font right there. That's my <laughs> weird punk books bookmark. Yeah. Well, read weird punk books. They're awesome. Yeah, weird. Get read weird read weird books. You know, that's Yeah, man. To do, do it. We reared books too. We demand that you. We demand that you do books. that. Now um, that we're a hundred episodes in, we can start making demands of you. We can start making demands of you. So, Resident Evil Two, the the game, the book is based on the game Resident Evil Two. It is also one of my favorite games of all time. Resident Evil Two is probably one of the most popular, famous games of all time, both the original and the remake. Uh, and it's pretty fairly deserved. The game plays very similarly to the first Resident Evil game um, with the addition of a pathing mechanic. So there were two different paths in the game. Uh, there's the A path and the B path that you could sort of like a, it's almost like the Legend of Zelda second quest type of thing. 
um, except the two paths, if you were playing, if you started the game with Leon and you did Leon, Leon A and then you did Claire B, you'd have a very different experience as you went through uh, the RPD. So I think that was one of the really neat things that they did in the game. Um, the director of the game was Hideki Kamiya, uh, who developed, who also developed Devil May Cry, Beautiful Joe, and Bayonetta. Fun fact, before I left Twitter, I was blocked by Hideki Kamiya, so... Oh, very nice. Very I, nice. He, that's, that's, yeah, he's kind of a... How did, uh, how did that go down? Um, I, I asked him about paying people fairly, and he uh, blocked well, me. Oh, well, I mean... Yeah, that was that was kind of on you. There, I was but. that's on me. Yeah, that's on me, that's, bud. I, I, deserve, yeah. I deserved it. Um, I rookie, rookie mistake. Rookie, rookie mistake. mistake. Uh, the producer was Shinji Mikami, who directed the first game, and then would go on to direct the fourth game in the series. Uh, which, as if you've been listening, we've been talking about the remake of the fourth game, uh, ad nauseum. Uh, speaking of Shinji Mikami, he also then would go on. Um, later, he would make uh, games like The Evil Within and the uh, studio that he, I believe he founded. Um, you know, they made The Evil Within and they this year they dropped one of probably one of the game of the year contenders in uh, oh, Hi-Fi. Yeah. It, was, it was wild. Shinji Mikami's studio, you know, drops Hi-Fi Rush and then Shinji Mikami basically... I think he, he might be semi-retired. He left the studio. I, he he at least left the studio. Yeah. Like he at least left the whether he <laughs> left the industry or not remains to be seen. But he yeah yeah he at least left the studio after yeah. dropping a bomb on everybody. That, <laughs> that game's ridiculous. It's such a good game. Um, so the game was released in January of 1998 for the PlayStation. After some time in development hell, there's like an unreleased version of the game that the developers call Resident Evil 1.5, which has its own huge, interesting story and backstory. Not going to get into it, but uh, it, it was <laughs> it was like that's for later. That's that's for later. That's for other people to to talk about. It was like 75% done when they scrapped it. Uh, and then they took a lot of the assets that they were using for it to build the game that we ultimately saw. Um, yep. So, yeah, that's that's Resident Evil 2. Um, and normally at this time, Phil would tell me about the author, uh, S.D. Perry. Um, but this is the fourth book that we've read of S.D. Perry's. Yeah. So, How do you introduce someone you've already introduced three times? Three times. Is it the fourth book or the fifth? No, fourth. This it is was the, the fourth. F- it's the third Resident Evil book. And earlier this year, we, we read did Midnight uh, Suns. Midnight Suns. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then in, I mean, and uh, then we had uh, the lovely cat uh, uh, from uh, Pixel a Day narrate. Uh, uh, oh Q&A yeah, I narrated her voice her. in the in the Q and A. Um, so yeah. I feel I feel confident in unironically uh, ascribing the uh, the the term friend of the pod, friend of the pod uh, to, to SD Perry. Perry. Yes, absolutely, yes, exactly. Um, and it was funny as I was reading this book, I remember one of her answers about how if she could go book and go back and rewrite the book, she would talk about how. Um, like the little mistakes she made were like referring to things as clips instead of magazines. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I wonder, I wonder if Copter is one of those things. I wonder if Copter is one of those things. Who knows? Is we that, should have asked her about Copter. That is a callback to the very first that is a, episode That is a callback to the first episode of the show where we were like, who uses Copter? Um, who does that? It's Chopper. <laughs> it's Chopper. Um, but yeah, so if you want to learn more about SD Perry, uh, go and listen to our Q&A uh, that we had with her. Um, or, or indirect Q and A that we had with her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Three degrees of separation Q and A. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, go back and listen to that episode if you want to learn more about SD Perry, or you know the the first episode of any of the other series uh, where we um, were reading an SD Perry book because um, we we would talk about her in there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's. That's all the prologue. Uh, what do you What do you say we put the body in the marsh? Oh, let's put the body in the marsh. Let's put the body in the marsh. When I tell you to dump a body in the marsh, you dump them in the marsh. All right. So the book itself starts with a prologue, and it's just uh, we get a lot of info dumping. Some newspapers are kind of detailing what the what happened between Resident Evil One and Resident Evil Two. Um, the stars have been disbanded. Ten new police officers are being hired for the police department. Uh, the Umbrella facility is undergoing major renovations. Um, Brian Irons is considering a run for mayor, and there was a teenager attacked, probably by zombies. Um, probably. And or those are cannibals. That's cannibals. The cannibal murders. Yeah. They're still being called the cannibal murders um, in the in the public eye, as opposed to like you know zombie attacks. The zombie thing was was pretty much uh, thoroughly covered up. Yeah, exactly. Because um, if you can't uh, if you can't count on Umbrella to do just a, a spectacular cover up, are we even following the same franchise? Are we even following the same franchise? If that I don't think we are. No. Okay. So chapter one, here we go. We're in it. And is it going to be Leon? Is it going to be Claire? No, it's Jill. It's it's Jill. Jill is our first point of view character. It's September 26, 1998, which is sometime before the events of uh, the, uh, the game. Uh, in the chapter, Jill is packing up her remaining stuff to get out of town. Chris and Barry are waiting for her outside in the truck. She is having trouble finding underwear she is yeah she needs un- <laughs> she needs she needs fresh underwear she needs she needs a bra uh she, she, she needs to uh she needs some bras she needs underwire uh um, yeah at one point she vanity actually, thy name is underwire it's <laughs> <laughs> a great line it is a great line <laughs> i just didn't expect in the prologue to to already be thinking about or in the not prologue but in the first chapter already be thinking about one of our characters' panties. That's yeah. Just, I mean, but that's on. That's it's SD Perry. I mean, it's there's some one horny thing, shit in there. If one thing that we've learned from from Ms. Perry is, um, it's gonna get a little. There's gonna be a little, some horny shit in there. There's gonna be a it's little, gonna get a little horny, little sexy stuff in there. You know, sexy. just a little, just, just a little, little sexy. treat as a treat. There's a little treat. Um, <laughs> You can you can have a little you can have a little underwire in your zombie book. That's yeah, a treat. it's a treat. <laughs> uh, so they're the the stars that are left are planning on getting to Austria to research 
uh, the Umbrella headquarters, but also dig around and find the other places that the T-virus might have been developed. Um, Chris comes in to get her. Oh, yeah, before this, before Chris comes in to get her, there's a moment where she has, um, she's thinking about her dad again, um, where she's like, she basically, <laughs> I love this because she basically picks up a book that's, that is like, um, uh, I, I think an erotica set in a prison or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, like, yeah, like, like the old, the old uh, exploitation, like prison babes gone wild. <laughs> and then like a picture of her dad falls out that he was, she was using as a bookmark, um, which not touching that, but um, that's, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> oh, so boy. she, um, she, she just talks about how her, you know, her dad and, and like, she wouldn't, necessarily be in this position if she had still been a thief and all that stuff um so a little bit more of the of the jill jill used to be a cat burglar uh backstory uh established and then chris comes in and he's like come on we gotta we gotta go punch some boulders um right. and th- there's there's like there's like something going on between them there's like there's some some hot tension between them and she's like yeah and because jill's like it's it seems like chris wants to be more than friends with me and then she's like she's like oh shut up jill you would all you you would want that too like (laughs) right yeah she's like admit it to yourself (laughs) it looks like he wants to touch my butt oh i don't know what to do about that except let him except touch his butt Touch his butt. Let's touch butts together. <laughs> Resident Evil. Resident Evil Three. Let's touch butts together. It's, Where's that DLC? You know, it's it would be very much a, a Tina Belcher fan fiction written. <laughs> you know, it already has the zombies, uh, <laughs> butts yeah. and zombies. I think that's that's pretty much you know Tina Belcher's. Uh, I mean, go to move. Yeah, if if that hasn't been written, if Tina Belcher was a real person, that is, and, and, and that hadn't been written, I, I love that I'm just going on the assumption that Tina Belcher's a real human being. It's like, well, I mean, Tina, why haven't you written this fanfic? <laughs> I'm just a little disappointed. Is I'm all. just a little disappointed in you. Just a um, little. Chapter two. Now we got Leon. We got we got Leon, the king of the one-liners. Um, oh, Leon! Oh, here we go. There's the munchkin. Hey, munchkin. Hello. All right. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Leon. I know, I know how she feels. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's driving it in town. Um, yep. He's He's been freshly hired as a police officer, and... He's got some interesting backstory here that isn't established in the game at all nope. that she adds. He used to live in Raccoon City didn't during like the summer with his grandmother or something like that. He, yeah, yeah. It was like summer vacation time hanging out with his grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. Um and Leon is originally but Leon is from New York City. Uh, originally it, it they establish in that SD Perry establishes in the book. Um, so I was trying to figure out where raccoon city is in the SD Perry verse based on. Yeah. 
what, what, what were what were your what was your your mental map? Because I think you I figured little, it out. Oh, okay, yeah, you get little hints. I I feel like we're. I mean, it's New England. Uh, that that was that was definitely part of it for me. Uh, it it's not technically New England is is what oh. I figured out. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, hmm. All right. So uh, I'll do I'll once we get all the information. Then I'll do I'll do the breakdown yeah. of the of the calculating yeah. that I did. Um, peel back the layers. I'll peel Kevin. back the layers. You know, uh, I, know I love it. I love it. You all are just on the edge of your seat. Um, I, I can feel your because, mental hunger because the, I I was like New York over the mountains, and at first I was like, uh, is Raccoon City like a stand-in for Pittsburgh or something like that? Because of yeah. the Romero stuff and the zombies and like I was like, okay, maybe it's like a Pittsburghy type place. Um, but yeah. I was wrong. Um, that was just my. They first talk about guess. the coast or something there, don't they? I thought they did. Um, maybe, and but it might be a different coast than you're thinking of. Um, oh, okay. So okay. we also established that the Raccoon City uh, Police Department was originally a library. Um, in the, I believe, in the remake of two, they established that it used to be an art gallery. Um, okay, I, if I recall. Yeah, uh, there's just like a pamphlet or something like that. Um, and then the chapter ends with Leon hit, nearly hitting a dog or what he thinks is a dog. And he <gasps> shakes himself off and he continues on his way. Um, so, well, the chapter doesn't end. It, it just scene change. <laughs> Sorry. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Uh, now we got Claire's point of view. Claire's riding into Raccoon City on her Harley and she is, I think this is a nice like addition Uh uh, S.D. Perry does a lot of good work explaining kind of the weird dumb shit that happens in Resident Evil games with the most likely explanation. Uh, yeah. There's another there's another really good moment later, but this first one is Claire is riding into town on her Harley and uh, people who ride motorcycles are like, well, Claire isn't wearing anything. She's not, she's wearing cut off short jeans and a vest. If she was a responsible rider would probably be wearing her, her leather, um, yeah. you know, because that protects you from like, you know, when you, from Just the completely the, eating shit, the road rash basically yeah. when you, when you fall off or eat shit or whatever. Um, so she's like, uh, we have a moment with Claire's internal monologue. I mean, like, I, she let her friend borrow her her riding uh, suit, uh, and but then she got this like bug up her butt to like go see Chris because nobody was answering any phone calls. So she's right. like, "Fuck it, I just got to go." So she hop hops on her motorcycle and you know starts driving into just, Raccoon just, City. Just throws caution to the wind. Throwing caution to the wind, and she's talking like thinking about how Chris is gonna like chew her out for like yeah. you know not wearing the proper attire and all that stuff. Um, we get some backstory on that. Chris and Claire's parents uh, are dead. His dad died young. His mom died a couple of years ago. Um, and Chris has been kind of like a de facto parent uh, yep. to Claire as, as they grew up. Um, we get our favorite name. Our favorite name gets a shout out here. Billy Rabbitson. She even called Billy Rabbitson. To try to find out where Chris was. Billy Rabbitson. Billy Rabbitson. Um, I, I regret not asking her about that. 
like Billy yeah. Robinson. That's that's a person, right? Like that's, a, that's someone you know, right? You didn't make that up, like. Um, it it, it yeah, because it, it, it could also be like the that scene at the end of the Usual Suspects where yeah. he, you know, she was staring at like at first like a goat. And then, like, a rabbit hopped by, and then she looked up at the sun, and she said, Billy Rabbitson. Rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Rabbitson is Kaiser Sose. <laughs> um, so, chapter three. All right, Leon. Leon gets into the city, but everything is super-duper quiet. The area that he is in should be loud and partying at this time at, at this time of night, but it's dead, dead, dead ski. He sees a couple of drunks. <laughs> Drunks, air quotes, stumbling around. Drunks, yeah. Uh, and then he has to slam on the brakes when he sees a bunch of carrion birds in the road. He stops, they fly away, and he finds a dead body. Um, Yeah. He brings his gun with him, which is 1,000% not standard issue. It is a hand cannon is what he brings. He with brings him. his Desert Eagle .50. <laughs> The gun that Bullet Tooth Tony uses in Snatch. <laughs> the thing is a fire-breathing dragon. What the fuck? It's like that's that's this is whoever's playing this version of Resident Evil 2. It's their like third or fourth walkthrough, and they get to start with like a badass. They've, gun they've to unlocked begin with. the Magnum uh, unlimited yeah. ammo. That's uh, exactly that's this version that the book is based on that version. <laughs> that's it. That's that. That's what this is based on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he brings his his uh, Desert Eagle point five oh. And right about here, we get off onto the 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 magazine versus clip thing that she actually commented on in her answers to us. Uh, so those of you who don't know uh, the the metal thing that you see people put into the bottom of handguns, that's a magazine. Mm-hmm. Clips are used on almost nothing in modern firearms. Uh, the best example of possibly a clip, a clip is literally just a, a strip of metal that holds a, a, a line of bullets together. No. The only Resident Evil gun recently that I think of that uses a clip is actually the Red Nine from Oh sure Resident yeah. Evil Four yeah. uh, because it's a it's like the top loader thing you take out you have the clip of bullets the bullets are exposed and you like slide them in and then the the piece of metal is like thrown away yeah zips out yeah. so that's the difference between a magazine and a clip somebody with more firearms knowledge can correct me but i believe i explained that as well (laughs) as reasonably possible it's uh, if you're thinking what it is it's almost never a clip it's a magazine (laughs) yeah although clip is the way more a way more common uh term people use generically yeah people generically will use clip uh but that's not what it is ultimately though it's it's basically it's basically ATM machine. Like, it's ATM machine. It's ATM machine. It, it does. It is. It is a. It, it's just. It, you're wrong. Yes, but it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is I gotta I gotta check something because um, when I was growing up, 
Um, okay, so when I was growing up, where I grew up in the town I grew up in, they were never called ATM machines. They were mm. Mac machines. Have you ever heard that oh, term? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I heard that in Pennsylvania, yeah. Yeah, in Mac Pennsylvania, they, a lot of people call them Mac machines. A Mac, yeah. a Mac stands for money access center. And it, so I, it's, that's actually not re, like Mac machine is not redundant, but ATM no. machine, hundred percent redundant. Totally is. That's so I haven't, I literally do not think I've thought about Mac machines since I left Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like it has no, been a very long time. It's a weird, it was on both sides of Pennsylvania, Mac machine. That is funny. <laughs> that is so weird. I was like. I was like, why did uh, the, the if you search Mac machine, the number one question is a Quora question of why do people in Philadelphia call the ATM a Mac machine? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, I like it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna call them call them Mac Mac machines. Yeah, because why not? See, see, see how far you can get. See how far uh, I can get the spread. Florida with that one. You know, yeah. it's we're we've already lost the state to fascism. What what do I what do I else <laughs> do I lose by just how much worse could it possibly get? How much get? worse could yeah. it possibly get? So we're still in chapter three. Leon looks at the body for a second. He's like, oh, maybe I can like resuscitate her. Oh no, like she's missing her stomach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's God. just one half of her torso. Sick. Okay. Whoops. Yes. Uh, then the zombies attack and Leon starts firing and backing away toward his Jeep. Uh, chapter four. Now, Claire, Claire is having a similar reaction to Leon. She's like, what's going on? This place is totally empty. So she decides to stop at a diner that Chris uh, frequents uh, quite often uh, to see what is going on. And when she enters the diner, she sees that one of the waitresses is on the ground and her head is missing. And sitting behind the waitress is the chef who is eating her head. So that's that's not a great way to pass your health inspection. No, I don't recommend it. I, you know, kudos for being adventurous and trying new things. Sure. Um... Uh, but I don't think that's something most think of us are going to get away with. I don't think the health inspectors like it. She Not tries to run away. <laughs> she tries to run away. And when she gets back to the front door, there's now several zombies approaching it. So she runs around to the back door that exits out into the alleyway. If this sounds familiar, it's because it's fr- it's it's beat for beat exactly from the opening cut scene of Resident Evil 2. Uh, when she yep. opens the door, she sees a man pointing a gun at her. It's Leon. She ducks, he shoots the zombie that's chasing her, and they start running together. And that's when the plan is established. We got to get to the police station. So we're we're in chapter five now. Leon and Claire, they find a car to get away. It's a cop car. And uh, the one question I wrote in my notes here is, do cop cars actually have bulletproof glass? I don't think that's a real thing thing no i think i think uh i think like certain swat vehicles sure but generally speaking i don't I, think they're feel like bulletproof glass the president's limo has bulletproof glass sure yeah uh, uh the pope mobile absolutely but you uh your cars. local traffic cop probably not probably yeah not. um 
And so generally, no. Okay. So they're, they don't because that would be, that would be that would a be lot insane. of money. That would be, that'd be insane. Right. <laughs> that would be insane. Need, no need. town would spend that much on, on police. Right. <laughs> no, that would be silly. That'd be that ridiculous. would be silly. So they'll be, be giving them military grade rifles and uh, and body armor uh, uh, after that. That's yeah. just and crazy. You know, ATVs and you know, uh, or what was it? Was the line from Die Hard? Uh, the 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 cops have a Humvee um, <laughs> when they when they blew it up with a with a rocket launcher. Um, yeah. So. Leon and Claire get to know each other a little bit more as they drive. Claire finds a gun in the glove box. Um, and then Leon, and this is the, the information I needed, all happened in this chapter. Leon muses they can make it to Latham on their current tack of gas. All right. Um, Latham is a northern area, northern part of Albany, New York. Mm-hmm. Did some back of the napkin math on it. Uh, so first of all, what kind of car is this cop car? Probably it's 1998. I'm going to assume it's a crown Vic. I was let's just going to say crown Vic. Let's assume it's a crown Vic. What was the yep. mileage on a crown Vic? About 22 miles per gallon. Looked it up. It was a 1998 crown Vic, 22 miles per gallon. Uh, the tank on a crown Vic was, uh, 12.7 gallons. They had a three quarter tank which let them travel. They probably had a range of about 200 miles. Where does that place them if they are within 200 miles of Albany, New York? That is way upstate New York on the border near Canada, probably in where Potsdam is in upstate New York. I hate you so much. I had to stop and ma- map it out. It was it was you just detective. Me. You just Sherlocked your way into knowing SD Perry's canonical Raccoon City, and I have no, I have no, I can't argue with you. I can't. I mean, you're, you are almost certainly correct because in the games and in in especially in the the remake version, it's strongly hinted that Raccoon City's in the Midwest. Not anywhere oh, on yeah. the East Coast. So I yeah. think this is the S.D. Perryverse version of Raccoons. It's like a lot like DC Comics, where you don't really know where Gotham is. Um, but it's New York. It's, 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 uh, yes, it's actually, I believe some people figured out, it's like, it's actually supposed to be like, uh, it's like across the river from New York. It's like ah. it's North Jersey or something like that. It's weird. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's got that DC-ness, DC energy of like, yeah, you don't really know. Yeah. The ambiguous. It's Springfield from The Simpsons. It's Springfield you know, it's just from that, The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those. That's that's in there. Anyway, um, while they're figuring out uh, you know, uh map quests in 1998, uh, there's something in the backseat and it attacks them. And they fight it off and crash. Uh, now we're on chapter. Now we're on Claire's point of view. She sees the truck that's about to slam into them. It's a tanker truck. They get out of the car. It crashes. Poof, big wall. Big wall flame. Uh, they can't get back to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, Leon calls out to Claire to tell her to meet him at the police station. And Claire ducks, dives, dodges uh, her way through the streets. 
And that's the beginning pretty much of that's the split point in the game. The A quest, yeah. B quest kind of split point. Um, chapter five. Sorry, chapter six. Uh, Ada Wong. Ada. Ada Wong. Fan favorite Ada Wong. Um, oh, yeah. Ada has practically solved all the puzzles in the police station. It, it's just, she's just like, uh, she's like, she's like, she's like, she's like annoyed about the puzzles in the yeah. police station. <laughs> yeah. She is over it. She is over the, the, the random ass keys and puzzles before we've even gotten a look at them. Right. She's been doing it for days and she is yeah. not happy about it. Um, we get, uh, she's, she was hired by Trent to steal some stuff and deal with a reporter, which is what we, that was her job in Resident Evil 2 to begin with. And the, yep. her, her, uh, backstory of like having, trying to find her umbrella scientist boyfriend. She's like, yeah, I dated one briefly 10 months ago. So it would like kind of track whatever we can use that. Yep. Um, it also gives backstory as to why Ada is wearing a slinky red dress instead of something tactical, which is the second time that SD Perry like fixes, quote, like kind of fixes yeah. something from the game. Yeah. It was like uh, Ada was at dinner when shit hit the fan and didn't have time to change. <laughs> it's like, yeah, SD Perry was like Marvel DC retconning, explaining shit before that was even a thing to worry about. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very graceful. You got to give it to her. It's, 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 it's a strong smooth, work. Yeah. Strong work. Very smooth. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but Ada is also starting to feel the effects of seeing so many civilians die hopelessly. Uh, she's, she's a little in her feelings at this point. Um, so we, moved. yeah, I did not expect I right off the bat to yeah. be getting the pathos of Ada Wong because we never really ever get that from her in the game, aside from what she feels towards like the shit Leon has to go through. Right. That's pretty much it. Um, and I can't comment on Resident Evil 6. I know she was a big part of Resident Evil 6. Uh, but in at least in two and four, she's. She she feels bad. Leon gets put into tough spots, but that's about it. <laughs> right. That's kind of like the extent he, of it. Because well, he's the big eyed, like babe in the woods, naive right. waif kind of character. Yeah. And she is the opposite of that. So she's how could she not feel a little bad for him? She's she's killed so many people. <laughs> so many people. <laughs> so many people. Um. We get to chapter seven. Uh, Leon is in the kendo gun shop uh, searching for ammo. There isn't a ton in the way of Magnum rounds until he finds basically a duffel bag full of them. So kind of shortcutting the survival horror aspect of like needing yep. to save and scrounge for ammo. He yeah. finds five boxes with uh, five clips each. <laughs> And it was like, she just, she just said, you know what? Let's not worry about that. Let's not worry about that. We're not going to worry about that. How, nope. how many does he have? He has uh, 25 times, was it 10, 10 rounds in a desert Eagle? I yeah. Yeah. He has, so 200, he has 250 Magnum rounds. Go has, to town. He has Leon. this many. He has this many. You know, <laughs> yeah. just he has the handful. plot. He has the yeah. plot amount that. He yeah, needs. exactly. How, ma- how many do you need him to have? He's got that. That's how much right there. That's how, that's how much. He has it. 
Um, one of the things <laughs> I forgot is how much better the Resident Evil 2 uh, remake is with the Kendo Gun Shop stuff. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. There's it's, like really nothing there in the original. No, and but they, they turned it into a whole the thing. remake. They turned it into the most heartbreaking. Yeah. Probably one of the most heartbreaking scenes ever in a Resident Evil game. <laughs> it's really, yeah. <laughs> did a wonderful job with it. Uh, and they didn't have to, like, like you they said, there, to, there was no. no need. It was, it was all set. We, we'd never set established anyone there period. Right. Yeah. Um, they did a great job with that. Yeah. Uh, so he finds, yeah, he finds that duffel bag and he escapes out into the alley. Uh, now we're in Claire's point of view. Claire is running and running and running around outside of the police station. Uh, <laughs> she has more backstory during this action sequence about her time with Chris and how she would meet Chris for lunch in the patio out back in the police station. Uh, and during this time, she is going up the stairs and sees a helicopter this is another famous cutscene. There's a helicopter oh, being yeah. flagged down by a cop on the roof, and the cop has a machine gun, and he accidentally catches the attention of some zombies. The zombies start eating him. He pulls the trigger on the machine gun, and the machine gun fires up into the air, into the helicopter, causing the helicopter or the copter to crash ah. into the roof of um, of the raccoon police department. So, way to go, guys. Way to go, guys. Well way to go. handled. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Good. Fantastic. <laughs> Chapter eight, Brian Irons makes his appearance. He hears the helicopter crash, but he's more focused on the fact that he's disassociating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude's not in a great place right now. He's not doing so good. Yeah, he's not I don't. Doing I, so good. He's not doing terrific. I don't think he was. Ever a lot of doing people good. in this game are. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's everybody's doing bad, but he seems to be doing the worst. He's yeah. He's doing worse. Yes. <laughs> of those who are alive, not great. He not is great. carrying. Yeah, he's carrying the mayor's daughter, uh, Beverly, to his office, and the way it's written, it's as if Beverly is just passed out. Um. Spoiler alert, she's very, very dead. <laughs> Super dead. Super dead. She's like, yeah. she's had her stomach eaten or something like that. He's pretending yep. she's alive, but she's not. Um, he, There's a lot of creepy subtext about how he feels about her, about how he, he knew her as a little yeah. girl and she had perfect skin. And it's like. It is very upsetting. It very is. upsetting. Ooh, I went back boy. and watched the cut scene where Claire and we're going to actually get to that exact scene in a couple chapters. I mm. went back and watched it in the game and I was like, oh, yeah, no, a lot of this is taken straight from the game, the original yeah. game and how he kind of like acts. Um, I forget how the remake handles it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I don't think either. you know, I don't think you see her until later. You don't. I don't think you ever see her in the police station. No, Beverly. I don't think. So. I, no, I. I definitely think it's it's later because I it, don't. I have yeah. very little memory of her. Yeah, I, I, you see in the cutscene in the game in the original game, she's laying out on his desk, dead. Uh, when you first meet Brian Irons, um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of a lot of unfortunate subtext there. 
lot of yeah, a lot of lot of going on. Chapter nine. Leon is still making his way through town, and he gets to the Raccoon City Police Department. There's not much going on once he gets in the lobby. Lobby's uh, it's nice and quiet. Uh, he goes to the room where the beat cops would work out of, and he meets Marvin Branagh, a critically wounded police officer. Another ah. character that was really expanded upon in the remake. They did a great job with him, too. I, I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Marvin tells Leon to go find the other survivors after giving him the lowdown on what happened with Stars and the Spencer Mansion incident. Like, Marvin seems like one of the cops that believed like what the Stars stars were saying was true yeah he he was buying into what chris and all the, the them were saying um especially now that he is lying dying on the, on the yeah well, at this point at this point what choice has he got it's, what choice better he got? believe this shit yeah yeah um and marvin points a gun at leon to tell him to go leave and uh, go on get uh, yeah <laughs> i don't i don't want you here anymore anyway I never loved you. Yeah. <laughs> Leon um, just wipes a tear away and yeah. stumbles off. Yeah. Um, Claire, we're we're in chapter 10 now. Claire, uh, she finds an ex- a fire extinguisher, and after fi- trying to figure out how to use a fire extinguisher, uh, she puts out the blaze that the crashed helicopter started. And the pilot is very dead. And this is one of my... Super dead. Super dead. <laughs> one of my favorite lines is... The features had been obliterated, running together like dark tallow. Ugh. Yeah. It, man, she can write some gore. She it's can, so terrific. She can write <laughs> some gore. Oh, man. It's great. It's just great. Claire welcome continues. back, Miss Perry. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back, Miss Perry. We, we, uh, we're, we're loving, loving your work. Uh, yes. Claire continues down the hallway and enters a room that she calls a parody of a men's club from the fifties. And it's, yep. uh, Brian Irons' office. Uh, <laughs> then Claire sees the dead body on the desk. And then Brian turns around in the chair and points a gun at her. So this is the second time she's had a gun pointed at her. Um, Brian is completely disassociating and talking about how his favorite hobby used to be taxidermy. And Claire is very skeeved out. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the best of times, somebody telling you that they were super into taxidermy, uh, 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 you know, in this situation uh, might uh, it might creep someone out. Yeah, it might yeah, creep someone bit. out. You know, it's not. Uh, and remember, if you remember his office from the game filled with taxidermied stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. There's like a thing. There's like a lion or, or, or a tiger or something out in the hallway. Yeah. Um, not great. Uh, not great. It's not. Yeah, the the, the whole situation uh, doesn't uh, it doesn't make one feel safe. Let's say right. And and listen, if you were listening to this and you like taxidermying things, more power to you. Absolutely. I don't necessarily need to hear about it. <laughs> that's a. You can keep that hobby to yourself. You know that's. I. I I've, I've had friends who are super into taxidermy and stuff like that. And that it's genuinely fascinating stuff. It's fascinating. Uh, Creeps me out though. I don't. Yeah. Not fan of just like, Oh, but now it's alive. It looks alive again. I'm like, yeah, but it's, (laughs) it's super not though. That's the thing. It's super not. Uh, I I guess it's fine for like museums and shit, but sure. You know, this, 
just a like a squirrel, the taxidermied squirrel on your bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, unless you're one of those people who takes like the taxidermied squirrel and gives him a little pipe and top hat and stuff like that, then you're okay in my book. That's <laughs> that's how you that's how you turn it around. Squir- make it make it whimsical. Squirrel Lock Holmes. Uh- yeah. <laughs> love it (laughs) oh gosh um uh, we're in uh, chapter 11 with the point of view characters now sherry burke and uh sherry's been hiding in the police station for a very long time and it's probably one of the only people left alive from the group of folks that went there for safety um she's been hiding from what she thinks is a monster and there is one that has been looking for her in particular uh, so she ducks and then Claire is the one that the, is what the footsteps are. Um, Claire wants to take Sherry with her, but then Sherry hears the screams of the monster that is hunting her from somewhere else in the building and ducks back into the ventilation shafts. Um, and that's she, where she newts right off. She newts, newts right off. She is very yeah. much a newt in, in oh, big time. she's probably a reference to newt. I, I gotta say. Kind of has to be right. Has like, to be right. At this point, you can't be protecting a young girl in a horror, uh, anything really, and and not draw a direct parallel to Newt. There's just no way. Yeah. So the monster that is looking for her is I can't remember, but it's William uh, Birkin, right? That's the yes. Yeah, it's her dad. Um, yeah. Also it's, not doing so good. Also not doing so good. He's uh, He's got to keep an eye out for that shoulder. Oh! Well, guys, it's been 100 episodes. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to move on to other projects. If it was better, it would have been better if I said he's got to keep an eye on his shoulder. Um, uh, yeah, but that's, yeah, I, I fucked up. I fucked it up. It's, it's, a, it's okay, man. We're none of us perfect. I'm, I'm sorry. Poe body's nerfed. Poe body's nerfed. Um, so that's the first third of the book, so to speak. Uh, so how are you feeling so far, Phil? That's great. This it's is great. great. This is, this is, this is what I wanted. I, I, you know, we both talked about how special Resident Evil 2 is to both of us and, and SD Perry, uh, does a terrific job with it as always she is just probably the most consistent writer uh yeah we've ever run into on this show and and says a lot about why we keep coming back to her sure it's always an enjoyable read i think that's the thing it's not it's not like a slog to get through this book reads so fast i was like oh i I could probably finish the whole thing sitting you know in an afternoon if i really wanted to Um, yeah yeah Uh, but it's, it's not it's not dense, uh, yeah, but it does that. have these wonderfully written moments. Like you said, like the, uh, the, the dead helicopter pilot, like they're just little surprising moments of horrifying poetry. What can I say? Yeah. Um, one of the things I've noticed, I was looking at some cutscenes from Resident Evil two. Uh, she did move some things around, uh, at this point in the story, uh, Mr. X would have been dropped into the police station already. And yeah, we I, would have seen him already. We would have seen him already. She because he appears. He appears as soon as Claire puts the fire out on the on the helicopter. That's that yeah. would that's his appearance in the game. Um, so I think we're. She's probably just you know shuff, shuffling 
the deck a little bit, which is fine, which is what you should do in an adaptation. Sort of like mm-hmm. what what she did with Ada Wong uh, being the character who has pretty much already gone in and, and prima guided the puzzles already. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Go straight ahead. Yeah, yeah fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because as we discussed, when we first started reading these books, it, there's not much to be gained from going through every individual puzzle like that, because it's, it's, it's totally different. It's not the same it, it, because if you do that, you're dealing with the same thing we dealt with, with Gabriel Knight most recently, sure, where you're getting ahead of yourself. You know, why am I picking this thing up? It's, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't fit in the same way. Yeah. There has been no puzzles in all, in all drama basically in this so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you could tell, I think you could kind of tell her point of view on it in the first one. Um, and it seems like that she definitely had some expanded thoughts on it between the first and the third book, because in the first one, yeah, there were some puzzles that she kind of like wrote out and, and described what it was. And then at yeah. one point there's a moment where uh, you have to solve this puzzle to lower the glass. And I think I remember from the first book, like Jill just breaks the glass and takes the thing yeah. <laughs> instead yeah. of solving the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's just, and, and you know what? That's fine. There yeah. are some things that we just don't need. Yeah. We don't need the whole damn process. It's like you the know? characters. Just don't need it. The characters are like, wait a minute. I'm in another medium. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, but what we do want when we're reading a book like this is to get uh, introspection from people like Ada Wong, for example, who we do not generally get that point of view of. Right. Uh, we want those little tidbits because it's it is a naturally more introspective, thoughtful medium. So it or just give us more action or something like that. But sure. well, there are very few people who can pull off, you know, a puzzle in your book that the reader can read along with and enjoy. Dan Brown comes to mind, and even those can be pretty lame. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Dan Brown, like I think Dan Brown is like. Fine. Um, I understand. Like, I understand why, why angels and demons and, um, what's Vinci the other code. one? Da Vinci code. The more famous yeah. one, right. Is the one I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you, 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 I understand I why it. they're popular. You know, they, I get it. they have a, they have like a unique, it's well, it's not really, it's not really a unique take on history. It's like an interesting take on, it's yeah. like, because they're very, it's a very common conspiracy theory about yeah. like, oh, what, you know, what the church is covering up and all that stuff about the right. lineage of Jesus Christ and all that. Right. But, but it's packaged in a way that, you know, your average, you know, middle class conservative family who isn't privy to all of those conspiracy theories right. can go, oh, spooky, different. And I, I get it. it, it yeah. It's written. I remember reading the Da Vinci Code when I was really young, like right around the time it had first come out and and enjoying it. But even at that young an age, I was like, hey, these chapters are one and a half pages long each, and they always end on a cliffhanger. This son of a bitch is manipulating me. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's pretty blatant what he's doing. Yeah, the book book was it my freshman year of college, the book came out. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, it's 
he 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 writes at a, he, his books are so quickly paced. That's what makes yeah. those work. Um, yeah, they snap. They and that's how he gets away with writing books about puzzles. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's the first third of of this book. Loving it so far. Um, yeah. So. Today's our today's our hundredth episode. Um, sure is. And Phil, instead of going through what are you playing, uh, I want to do a little exercise and talk about what is our what are our favorite memories of oh. the past one hundred episodes. So like such a good idea. And I I pulled some some fans of ours on our Discord. And if you want to check out our Discord, you can. Uh, I think it's it might be still linked on Twitter, and you can go to our it's, website. Uh, still pinned to the top. Still pinned to the of top our, of Twitter. Uh, Twitter feed. Yep. And you can uh, also go to our website pixelitpod.com, and there's a link to the Discord uh, right up there, right at the up at the top. So Phil, yeah. I'll, I'll start with you. Um, what's what's your What's your takeaway? What's your favorite thing to take away from these first 100 episodes? Um, I think one of my favorite things that we have done on this show was how many of the authors we've been able to talk to. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that the insights that we've been getting from them, not to mention um, how eager so many of them were to chat about this very niche subject. Sure. Uh, one that most of them, this is not the only way they make their bread and butter, you know? Yeah. Um, especially someone like Seth Godin, for example. Yeah. Uh, who is a legend uh, in yeah. the Nintendo world, uh, but also but also a legendary marketer. Like, I, I don't yeah. think I fully appreciated what a big deal he was in the yeah. world of marketing. <laughs> he's um, he's a huge deal. The fact that we got time on Seth Godin's calendar, yeah. At the time, I don't think I necessarily appreciated the fact that we got time on Seth Godin's calendar to talk about no. the the worlds of power books that he did, yeah. Because he thought it might be a good niche to fill because people yep. like playing video games, <laughs> right? Right. It, it, looking back on it, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, these authors have all been so generous with their time and have all been... And I, and I just love their moments with these different authors where uh, the microphone turns off and they're, we're still talking. We're yeah. still going. Um, I remember when we were uh, talking... Oh, who was it? It was... Um, not Dietz. Uh, uh, oh, God. Was it Alan Dean Foster? Alan Dean Foster, thank you. I'm sure. completely blanking here. But we 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 got done with our conversation with him, and we went, okay, great, thanks, and, and recording's off. And he just pauses for a minute and goes, okay, what do you really want to know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and he just, and we just sat and chatted with him for another half an hour. It was just like off the record shit. Yeah. Uh, and it was great. And it was just, it was just a wonderful experience. Uh, let alone valuable for what we talk about on this show. And the fact of the matter is, is that we have gotten it through no clout. We have, we, we don't have clout. We, right. we got it through just asking uh, yeah. by being sincere. And, you know, none of these people we approached, did we come at them with this attitude of like trying to pretend that we were a bigger deal than we yeah, were? Yeah, no. Yeah. Just humbly asking. 
<laughs> yeah, just like this is this is what we do. It's really niche and everything, but we think we think it would be really cool to get. And the 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 sheer uh, percentage of people who have said yes, yeah. uh, as opposed to no. The only the people have not said no. They just haven't gotten back to us. Yeah, like there it, there is there was one no. Oh yeah, and I, there was one. But no. I'm not I'm not gonna say who it was, only because yeah. I still kind of have hopes that maybe someday, um, we can make it through the filtering process of their management team to actually yes. get the request in. Yes, but it, yeah, but that's the thing. It was never the author. It was never the generally, author. No. Yeah, generally speaking, when we can get through to the author. Uh, they they have been very generous with their time and very cool, and yeah. it's so gratifying. It feels good that this this fun. I, I keep making the joke, but it's not. It's I've, I've made the joke over the past like two years that it was uh, Kevin and I are at the age where we were either going to make this podcast or we were going to start like a '90s garage band or something right. like that because you, you just get to that point. And, yeah, you just gotta and, have something to fill the hours, you know. It's our fun little trip. We have yeah. fun with this. We love doing this. And uh, that translates uh, uh, with not just uh, our guests, but with you guys who are listening. So many of you today, Kevin, did pop into the Discord. I am I am notorious for not being as active on the Discord as I could be. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I get panicky. Better, I see how. I'm, I'm trying. I'm yeah, trying. trying. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to like seem like I can't be bothered. That's it's far from that. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I just. I get overwhelmed uh, when I see like the backlog of <laughs> people saying things. I go, sure. Ah! Oh my god, uh, people have been saying things. People are saying things. And Kevin popped in there and said, "Hey guys, what are your favorite moments?" Said you know, told told him what we were doing here, and the number of people who popped in there. With things that half the time I'd completely forgotten about. Yeah, that's the thing. We've done so many episodes now that I, it's it's a joy to be reminded of yeah. these moments. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'll get into these. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just to echo your thoughts, I agree. It's it's been uh, wonderful. The talking to those authors has been has been wonderful. I think above all, my favorite thing is being able to do it with you. To to find something to do with my best friend that we could yeah. do on a on a repeated basis and it's been the it's been the longest I've ever dedicated to a single project at this point so same um, and it's never been a chore it's never been it's a never chore been, it's been it's never amazing. been no it it's it's always it's always been so natural yeah. it's always been so natural yeah. with that stuff and i and i i i I completely agree. This wouldn't have been the same with anybody else, Kevin. I yeah. love you to death. Oh, yeah. And I, this I is love, fantastic. I love Stephen Philip Keeling, and I don't care who knows it. <laughs> now you're good. Everyone's like, wait, his name's Stephen? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's high school all over again. <laughs> um, all right. So, Phil, now we're going to get into uh, from the Discord. Uh, yeah. Some folks were kind enough to provide us. I'm thinking I might edit some of these moments into the episode um, as they, oh, as they come up. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. So uh, favorite moments from the first hundred episodes from the Discord. Uh, Pim, uh, they are a wonderful supporter of ours. They also have a. Oh, a, I love you, Pim. And so also fantastic. an amazing YouTube channel. Um, Absolutely. Oh, speak. <gasps> Hello. We got another Munchkin. There she is. 
Hey, kid. <laughs> and there she goes. Our, our biggest fan. Our biggest fan. So from <laughs> Pim, uh, there are top moments where... Uh, and we just had had the the person who graced us with that. My daughter uh, was sacrifice human babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And the walnut eater discussion. That I, for how funny that moment was, when Pim said it, I was like, shit. They totally reminded me. Of this thing that I, I'd forgotten about. I, it, it was like, holy fuck, that was... Oh, my God. I, I forget how it started. I was like, it was something about... I said something like to you, like, you look like a walnut it, eater. Yeah, because I was talking about allergies or something. And I and as an example, I said, maybe I'm allergic to walnuts. Oh, and, and I went, said, I was like... You look like, like a walnut you're, eater. You're, are you are you allergic to walnuts? And you're like, no, it's just an example. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, because you look like a walnut eater. And then you look like just, a walnut eater. <laughs> fuck does that mean <laughs> and then you know it, it became a uh, walnut eater is uh is derogatory towards welsh people i think we decided i think so <laughs> <laughs> see that that's another one of those things that we make merch we have to have stickers that say walnut, walnut eater, eater on them or something yeah. i mean my god um from alex also known as soccer tetris uh, he said uh, his favorite moment is Yayap lives. Um, oh yeah, which Yayap was a, 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 a character that I uh, I've never been tempted to actually write fan fiction, but I would for Yayap. I mean, yeah. who 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 doesn't love Yayap? I I think that's kind of my high in the sky dream. Now they say that if people don't tell you that it can't be done, then you're dreaming too small. And so I've adjusted my dreams uh, uh, to to include writing a Halo novel that uh, the main character is Yaya. Like that, that's, I would that's, love that. And that's officially, that your dream is to write an officially licensed yes, by yes. Microsoft and 343 Industries yes. Halo novel about... Sign off this single grunt yeah <laughs> yep well, he's gonna survive uh unless unless they say look yeah yeah unless they're like no he's dead canonically but you can do a prequel yeah can I and i can do like yeah i can do like a han solo trilogy style like scoundrelly prequel yeah. trilogy of yeah yeah you guys would read that right yeah i would don't I mean i don't answer that yeah yeah big adventure and it's just really <laughs> loosely Pee Wee's big adventure, but it's Yaya. He's just having, he, he's getting his, his, instead of a bicycle, it's just, it's like one of those beater things from the, from. Yeah. <laughs> Followed by uh, Yaya's excellent adventure. Yeah. And the final, final chapter of the trilogy, uh, Yaya's bogus journey. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's just, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Um, so Yaya lives. I agree. Yaya lives! From Harry of Video Games Are Bad, one of our first fans and one of our biggest yeah. fans. Uh, the first person that we actually made a, a, a sticker for on the Discord and yeah. uh, pointed out kind of a meme of ours, our, our first meme was kind of like, was murdered the shit out of them. That's so, right. <laughs> That's right. Anytime somebody died, there used to be 
I and when the first 10 or so times I did it were not intentional. I was not thinking about oh. it. I, I would say murdered the shit out of them. And yeah. then Harry, you know, points out the fact that every time some a character dies, I would say, <laughs> yeah, so I just murdered him. Not exactly like they murdered him, murdered the shit out of him. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. A, it's 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 lovely. It's a sticker on the Discord um, from Griffin seventy seven. Um, uh, his favorite moment is the weird source material changes, like human Mega Man. I still think about that. <laughs> like the pointlessness of it. There was no reason. There was nothing like it didn't pay off. It wasn't necessary. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It, it was such a random detail they added in for no apparent reason. It's like, what if we have two Mega Men? Uh, uh, Dr. Light said. And then instead of two Mega Men, he's like, whoops, I accidentally made you human. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sure. Sure. That's, that's a thing. Yeah. Why couldn't like, you just it, build like, a second Mega Man, Dr. Light? Is right. there a premium on robot parts? <laughs> I, I, I mean, that seems to be your entire business. I feel like you must have a few of them lying around. But that episode, uh, and you know what? I, I still have not seen, I still haven't seen Scott use it, but he was really enamored with that section of the book where uh, Mega Man. It was, the sentence was, Mega Man looks up and he sees a giant W above him. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, w for Mega Man. Scott. We need this, to get Scott back on the show. We should. He was one of our earliest guests. We got to get him back on. Yeah. Um, we, got a, we got a bunch of things to finish this year. We could get him on. Yeah. Um, from Habermania on the Discord. Uh, the... Clap of my ass cheeks is alerting the guards. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 also in my top which five. Is, it's, which is not a, it's not something I made up. It's from it's right. a it's a it's a relatively old Twitter thing at this point where somebody, I believe there was a somebody drew a cartoon of Solid Snake saying that, and then David Hader actually like recorded it, and then I do my David Hader impression of that recording, right. uh, but. <laughs> God, that really that really made Jesse laugh. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> I loved having Jesse on. I we just listened just listened to the uh, the Super Mario Brothers. Every time we have him on the show, we just end up cackling like the biggest idiots. It's beautiful. Yeah, something about having him on the show pushes also uh, pushes my personal line out further for what I'm actually. <laughs> it's true. It's saying. true. <laughs> He kind of gives you he kind of gives you permission to, yeah. to let your id He's fly like, a little bit. Go ahead, say it. Go ahead, <laughs> do it. You know you want to, man. Just say it. Um, and then from VZ, um, is a is a man not entitled to the sweat of his own thighs? <laughs> No, says the man in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> he said it's the entire like he said it's the entire moment in the in the in the Bioshock book where we're talking about like being on the toilet or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> but he said that line in particular um, is he had to he was in the office at work and had to stop and 
<laughs> like paused the episode and laughed to himself. <laughs> oh, that's gratifying. That's very gratifying. Oh, oh I man. love it. And love it. Uh, uh, we love y'all. It's it was uh, amazing to to you know walk through those uh, some of those memories. You know, and if you want to uh, throw any more at us over the next, you know, couple weeks or so as we celebrate the 100th episode, feel Absolutely. free to comment on the on the to comment on our Twitter uh, tweets. And uh, I've been off Twitter for like a, a couple months now, and I forgot that they were called tweets. Um, nature is I mean, he- you're, nature you're is you're healing. Not losing, uh, you're not losing. <laughs> Yeah, you're not you're not losing anything important. I don't think nature so, is healing. Um, yeah, we all uh, are. My the, God. What is, I was gonna say Twitter posts. What are they called? Uh, <laughs> tweets. So yeah, comment on our tweets. Uh, come into the Discord if you want to. You know, drop us a line and talk about your favorite moments of the of the first 100 episodes. And uh, you know, thank you so much for making this something that is uh fun and fulfilling and just a blast to do week in and week out um so thank you all and uh you know follow us on twitter follow us on instagram come by our discord go to our website sign up for the newsletter all that fun stuff Um, oh and and keep an eye on our twitter in particular uh, because we will be making an announcement very shortly uh, of a Patreon. Uh, yes. We are not. Yeah. We're going to be making some new exclusive content uh, for your uh, for our Patriots. Is that a thing? Patriots. <laughs> Patriots. Uh, it's, Patriots. It's right there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're going to some fun exclusive content stuff that doesn't fit uh, so neatly into the pixelate oeuvre that we've that we've talked about for years wanting to do oeuvre oeuvre you have to that's it oeuvre you gotta really um, flow that bottom lip out yeah so that's also the, the the other the other announcement for this episode yeah we're starting a patreon um and uh we're gonna be launching it pretty soon after this episode airs yeah um, keep so your keep eyes it, open keep your, your keep your eyes open on the twitter for the official launch um and you know that'll we'll be we'll be grateful whether you are able to donate anything or not uh because just just being there is is uh is enough for us um but we would also like you know to be able to buy money to yeah yeah now and then (laughs) now and then Yeah, we, we're definitely going to be. I mean, honestly, we're going to probably keep it to to smaller tiers and stuff. We're not trying to trying to get a ton of money out of people, but right. uh, we are we do want to have some higher level stuff, like where people can pay to have us review a video game fan fiction, for example. Oh yes, uh, shit like that. That's been on um, the list forever. Is, at, is for a very long time is, actually. Is, is the fan is the is the reading a fan fiction? Absolutely. Which so you know, um, we're opening a can of worms for y'all. Um. Yeah, <laughs> and, and including and we'll even we'll even uh, yeah we're we're going to uh, we look the, Kevin's not messing around. I'm looking at our our spreadsheet that we've had since the very beginning, uh, and we've we had some ideas. One time rewards for we'll read your fanfic. Uh, we'll read your review. 
Like if you have a if you if uh, if you've got a um, you know if you want to talk if we want to talk about like things that people have said sure. about our show yeah um, and uh, and like sort of video game books where like maybe more of the nonfiction uh, video game books out there that uh, right. yeah, like, we like both love blood, so much your blood sweat and pixels your things absolutely like that. it's yeah. more of a general yeah. review of those um, so yeah. Uh, look, look towards, uh, look towards the horizon, because coming up over that horizon, it's Patreon, baby. Damn right. And that'll do it. Good night. Good night.